0: The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474 so we thank Thee, O oh Lord our God, for the new song that Thou hast put in our hearts, uh, which we, by Thy grace, will continue to sing throughout our short and certain earthly life and pilgrimage, and then forever in Thy presence, and through the merit of Thy Son, our Saviour, and by the work of the Holy Spirit, we draw near to Thee again this morning Give thee thanks for thy goodness and mercy which have awakened us and will be with us through this day. And we look therefore to thee for thy gracious aid as we turn to thy most holy word. Grant that we might hear thy voice and truly come to thee once more. For thou art willing and ready to receive through Jesus Christ all who do so in humility and penitence and faith. Be pleased to look upon thy people throughout the earth. Remember all in need those persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ, those who preach thy gospel near and far. We commend to thee those who are in need of thine aid and comfort and strength. Particularly thank thee uh, for Mary Ellen Godfrey's measure of recovery and pray that thou wilt continue Uh, that without any uh, intermission we commit uh, our precedent to thee too and ask for help for him at this time receive our thanks for all thy kindness and grace and draw near to us through thy word by thy spirit to the glory of Jesus Christ thy son of whom it speaks in all its parts amen be seated please Four verses from Isaiah chapter 55, namely verses six to nine. Let us hear the word of God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." May God bless to us his word. We've been seeing that the church's message to the nations is presented in this chapter. And that is done at its commencement in terms of an invitation to a feast. Clearly then, there is a place for using word pictures in our preaching. Not just statements of fact. Uh, which can be somewhat impersonal uh, to the hearer and to the preacher, perish the thought, Uh, but a picture is not worth a thousand words, as you know. And they can be misunderstood uh, when they are not explained. And here, uh, the invitation to a feast could conceivably uh, be regarded as endorsing something like a health and wealth gospel, which is far, far from the truth. This isn't something to be construed literalistically, but spiritually. Truths, therefore, doctrines, are a vital accompaniment for these word pictures. And what follows the verses that we have just heard read is a succession of word preachers, I'm sorry, word pictures, which we will have to consider all at once. And so next week is bound to be a great failure as far as uh, adequate treatment of the text is concerned. Now what we have here is clear direction as to how we are to set up a meeting between the sinner and the saviour in our preaching and in our witnessing that is what these words express we believe in the free or well meant offer of the gospel and yet if you're like me often you feel that we could, much, we could do much better in bringing people to the threshold of the door, so to speak, where the feast is being held. Uh, there was a, a 19th century Scottish free church minister, uh, Old Testament professor, as it happens in the free church college, uh, a rather um, quaint uh, but imaginative Uh, Man, as well as scholar and missionary to Hungary. And he had many quaint sayings by means of which he impressed as well as expressed truth on the minds of his hearers. And one of them, which has passed into common use, the other side of the pond anyway, is the way in which he depicted hyper-Calvinist sermons on the one hand and Arminian sermons on the other. What he said was this, that the hyper-Calvinist preacher is all house and no door. And the Arminian preacher, you know what's coming, don't you? All door and no house. Well, I think we ought to consider that because do we not tend to be reluctant, even apprehensive, and so most hesitant about setting up this meeting between someone who needs to come to the feast of life and the one in whom that feast is alone to be found. Now, of course, we have our reasons, even fears, and they're all well-grounded. People have been not only told to walk the aisle, sign a card, say a prayer, but even pushed through the door and then told, of course, that they're in. But don't let all that hinder you from bringing people to the doorstep of the kingdom of God. These verses will help you to do that Properly, So that you don't intrude where you ought not to intrude, but you don't leave a gap between them and the one who is more than willing to receive them warmly and wholeheartedly. So these are the plain words of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? He who, by means of them, or their equivalent, for there are many such passages in in the scriptures, he joins sinners to the Savior. He brings the dead to life in Christ. Let's look at these verses very quickly. You see that they're made up of commands and promises. That's what they are, commands and promises. And the sixth verse is a general presentation of commands and promises. Seek and call, but not merely seek and call. Seek, and the one you're seeking will be found of you. Call, and the one on whom you are calling will hear and he will answer you. He's not distant, nor is he deaf, He's the Lord. Jehovah, excuse me, Jehovah, he's the one who hears the cry of his people, comes down to deliver them, leads them out, leads them on, brings them in. That's the whole of the Exodus narrative, isn't it? Summed up in this divine name. And that is what Isaiah is using here. Seek the Lord. While he may be found, call upon him while he is near. He isn't far from anyone in in the whole wide world. He is the creator. He knows every creature. He gives breath to every living thing. He reads thoughts. He doesn't have to wait for words to be uttered. Before words are on our tongues, he knows what is in our minds. He is the one to whom we are directed. He's there. He's waiting. He's listening. He's waiting to be gracious. He's more than ready to receive. And that, of course, is particularly true when the words of the gospel are being presented. Uh, The verses that precede uh, our text this morning, when people are called to come to the feast and come, Uh, to the one in whom life for the soul is found. He is the one who is issuing that invitation. And that is the time. That is the precise moment in the day of grace, in the year of jubilee, when he is to be sought, when he is to be called on. Because... He will be found and he will answer. But Isaiah doesn't leave it at that general sort of level. Wonderful though that is, isn't it? He goes down deeper. He becomes more and more specific. And here, for the first time, in this wonderful chapter, he talks about the wicked And he talks about the unrighteous man. And wicked is in the singular. So here is, while it's a general address, it's addressed individually. Let the wicked person, let the unrighteous man. And while an invitation to a feast may seem to be so wonderful, and we can use the imagery and milk it if I can use that verb uh, for, for all that it contains merely to leave the invitation in those terms is to fail to wish you it properly because those who need to come are up in arms against God they're wicked they're against him They're against his law. They're against his gospel. And not only are they contrary to God, but that their whole life is colored and pervaded by sin and transgression. The man of iniquity. The man of sin. That's the kind of construction that we have here. It's not merely that laws are broken but that we are twisted and we are perverse and in order to issue this invitation correctly in terms of truth and yet issue it wholeheartedly sincerely sin must not be overlooked. Sin must not be diminished. Here you see is the real cause of the hunger, the thirst. Oh, everyone that thirsts, hungers. Why is it uh, that there, there there are those conditions of dissatisfaction and emptiness because God is our life and we're away from him? Here is the root cause of all the psychological ills and maladies which affect human beings, sin and evil. And we have to put our finger on it in order to issue the invitation so that when people come, they will be received and blessed. So we have to become specific, the wicked and the unrighteous. People can't get crushed into this feast. They're to come and they're to call. They're to come and they're to knock on the door. Or because God's hearing and knowing of the sinner is so acute, you know, a tap on the door would be enough. Remember the prodigal son? God is that kind of God. God. We must go then from felt needs to that unfelt and unknown cause if we are going truly to help people to come into the feast and to find life. And don't be mealy-mouthed about doing so. It's vital. The command is what? It's the law. We must not merely issue the precept clearly, but explain that it reaches the motives, the desires, not merely externally, the deeds and the words, the, unri- the wicked, but the unrighteousness or the iniquity within. And yet, the invitation is still issued. Though people are like that, in what terms then is it issued? Very quickly. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Repentance. That's what that is. Repentance. Why must they forsake their thoughts and their ways? Because God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. There's a fundamental disagreement between us that is so deep and thorough that it cannot be overlooked and reduced. There has to be change. You have to change. You have to turn your back for sake on your thoughts and ways, that love of self, that uh, instead of God, that love of self instead of neighbor, fill it all out as it can be filled out. Those two great commandments, my thoughts, my ways, my values, my ideas, My so-called virtues, my self-made religion. No, turn your back on it all. It's contrary to God. And until you see how your whole thinking and living is in direct contradiction to God's thoughts and ways, there's no way into the feast. None at all. You forsake it. What's it worth after all? Why do you spend your money on what is not bread? And your labor for what is, does not... You see, this, this is how um, pointedly and yet lovingly we are to deal with those outside the feast in order to bring them in. Forsake Repentance. Turn to the Lord. Faith. Turn your back on self. Turn your face. Toward the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he will. Ah, But we're wicked. (laughs) No, he will. He will be compassionate. He will abundantly pardon. Why? How? When human beings are in such contradiction to God, how is it conceivable that they should be received and pardoned? Here's the answer. For my thoughts are higher. Not only is there this fundamental discord and disagreement, My thoughts and ways are higher than yours. There are riches of mercy and pardon which transcend our ability to quantify in the Lord God. And he is plenteous in mercy and rich to all who call upon him. So you bring people right to the door As penitents. And you tell them not to look to you. You tell them to look to someone else. The one who's made the feast. The one who's provided his son. And the one who will. Not merely allow them to sneak in. You will throw the door open wide. And welcome you home to life forever. Let us pray. We thank thee, O Lord, for the immensity of thy mercy and thine innumerable compassions. We ask that thou wilt grant that once more, seeing as we have sinned even this day, receive us and pardon absolve us from that responsibility for our sin and accountability for it through Jesus Christ who bore our condemnation and by his obedience satisfied the demands of thy law. Enable us then as those who in and of themselves would never know life eternal to come to him in whom there is that heavenly and everlasting life for any, for all who repent and trust him. Amen.